2: From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories and news on the weather, climate change and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore.
3: Friends, welcome into episode five of the spring series for 2022, second weekend of April, and a big weekend at that. The Masters going on, and also a lot of folks wanting to get outside and enjoy spring weather. That's been on hold in the Great Lakes and the Northeast. Over the last uh, several weeks, we've been seeing these really chilly shots of air, and there's one that's unseasonably cold for April in the midst of the Great Lakes and the Northeast. That will be lifting out. We're going to get a major pass. Pattern shift coming into next week. Our friend Bill Dagger will be around at the end of the podcast to talk about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond and who needs to get some indoor plans and some outdoor plans and what to think about that next week's storm that looks so massive and so complicated with uh, snow and blizzard conditions to the northern flank and obviously some more severe weather to the south. Uh, Speaking of severe weather, can you imagine being a meteorologist on the air and seeing that a tornado was going to go right over your home and weren't sure your kids were plugged in or watching? Would you call them in the middle of your broadcast? Well, Doug Kammerer of NBC Washington did that last week. We'll talk to him and on our first Race of Focus segment this week. It's not too early to talk about hurricanes. The AccuWeather hurricane forecast has been out for a week or so. We've been seeing some others come out. Dan Kotlowski is waiting in the wings to talk hurricanes and tropical systems. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to sit back and enjoy as we talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. As we still deal with some wintry events and the spring severe weather season, it is not too early to start thinking hurricanes and tropical systems. The AccuWeather hurricane forecast has been out for about a week and a half. Uh, Colorado State just came out with theirs. Uh, As you'll hear Dan talk about coming up here, he's at the conference where that just has come out yesterday. And uh, certainly it's a a season where if we're thinking about preparing and making plans, this is not too early to start doing that with your family to talk about it because it does look like another big busy season our chief hurricane forecaster and certainly uh, expert senior meteorologist dan Kotlowski joins us now on everything under the sun from accuweather.com well here we are coming around the bend and heading right to uh, the middle of spring and getting ready for hurricane season it's hard to believe that the tropics are in our sights but Happens uh, when we start to kind of wane away winter and uh, think about the tropics and going from May through June and July and August and in September and October, November. It's uh, that busy time of year again, and it's time to talk the AccuWeather hurricane and tropical forecasting with our expert Dan Katlowski, who joins us this week from South Padre Island in Texas, which is uh, certainly no stranger, uh, Dan, to a lot of horrific weather over the years with these hurricanes that come into the Texas Gulf Coast. You're there, Dan, for a a, a seminar. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you're there for and some of the things that you guys have been talking about at this uh, Hurricane and Tropical Seminar this week. We're
1: talking basically about uh, what has happened uh, this past season, 2021. And uh, we're talking about, uh, we've got people from the Hurricane Center, uh, National Hurricane Center here, and uh, people that are also from the prediction center, which uh, you know are talking mostly about flooding uh, problems that we have, and also we have people that are here talking about how people have responded to the threat, and uh, in, in terms of social media, uh, in terms of uh, understanding how people can react to what the messaging that we put out, because the messaging the messaging we put out is very important. How we message. Because we can have the best forecast out there, but if we don't say it correctly or in the right way, people um, will t- misunderstand what we're talking about. So a lot of lot of information here.
3: Any thoughts from that in the last couple of days in terms of what we can do better, in terms of communication, what people need to know and what we should be telling them as we get ready for this hurricane season?
1: One of the big things that people need to realize is that when, when an initial forecast is issued, let's say, anywhere from three to five, and sometimes even later out than that. Uh, those forecasts are out five, six days out before the hurricane is going to create uh, havoc. Uh, those forecasts are not nearly as accurate as the ones that are issued, let's say, a couple of days before. The problem we're seeing is a lot of people tend to what we call anchor with the initial forecast. They think, oh, the, for- the storm's heading here, and it's not going to affect me whatsoever. Well, even though the track of the forecast may not be right over top of your house, uh, if you live to the right of where a hurricane is making landfall, you're still going to have tremendous impacts uh, from that hurricane. And also the size of the hurricane and the speed at which the hurricane is moving has a big role. And this is the reason why you have to update your impression and your understanding of the hurricane Uh, every few hours, especially when it's making and when it's within, you know, a couple of days of landfall so that you can better prepare, uh, better understand what your tolerances are, so that you can make great decisions on whether to evacuate, hunker down, or whatever plan you may have. Most people who live along the coast or near the coast uh, tend to really, um, a lot of people make poor decisions, Uh, initially as to what they're going to do. And a lot of people panic too. This is even more the important reason why people should be doing their preparation work right now. Have your plan in place. The plan includes understanding whether you're going to stay or go. Sometimes it's a very, very tough uh, tough decision, especially if if you have plants, if you have uh, something in your house, materials or whatever in your house that you just do do not want to part with. And you need to deal with those, Uh, either uh, put them in a secure area or take the pets with you. But uh, again, a lot of decision making has to be made and, and fairly quickly when a storm is heading your way.
3: When Dan says, uh, if you're to the right of where the storm comes in, obviously that's dependent on the direction the storm is coming in. So if it's coming in from the south, the right would be to the east of it. If it's coming in the direction where it's going to strike land is more, uh, you know, from east to west, which is, can be common a little bit as things curve back in, that would actually be north of the storm center. So yeah, it's that, what we call the upper right quadrant of the storm. So if you look at the storm and you draw an arrow and it's, direction that would be in that upper right side uh to the to the right of the top of the arrow as it's uh, going forward in the direction of its motion and that is where we get the strongest storm surge um kind of the you know if you think about it the momentum of the storm is kind of all piled up with the wind and the rain coming in and then just battling down on on areas there. So that's we're talking about that. And, and I agree, Dan, this is kind of where I am and we've talked about this in other episodes of, we have the abilities to tell people our thoughts about a longer range forecast now, much better than five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, we can see better into the future, five, six, seven, eight days, but it's not crystal clear and you're right um you know we talk about that even in snowstorms a 50 mile difference in the track of a storm can make a huge difference whether a city gets buried under a foot of snow or gets some flurries it's certainly uh even more uh true in these hurricane situations because if that goes 50 miles one way or the other you can either be in that uh front right quadrant and get pummeled or you can be on the western side of the storm where you've got offshore flow and actually some better weather uh, very quickly after the storm passes so you know those those things again uh, it makes it difficult because sometimes we don't know those final movements until the day or sometimes hours sometimes minutes before landfall that's the the real challenging thing about hurricanes right
1: yeah exactly and I just want to point out you know we're, you know we're forecasting 16 to 20 storms this year. And this season looks that the overall weather pattern and the way things are setting up in the Atlantic um, and what we, again, we're, we're perceiving this because we're, we're basing this on long range computer models, which uh, last year, I think, did a pretty good job. And this year, those same models are certainly suggesting that the same conditions that we saw last year, warm water, uh, sort of like a, a neutral or weak La Nina pattern are going to be in place uh, during much of the season. So that simply means that uh, that all the conditions favorable for tropical development will favor instead of hindering tropical development. You know, there's another aspect that we look at, Dean, and that is what is the state of the weather across the Indian Ocean and, and, and into Africa? Usually okay. one When that area is very active, or at least computer models are suggesting that area is going to become very active, that's a key ingredient because um, 85% of all storms, uh, by the time we reach August, September, and October, um, most of those storms have their origins in these storms that uh, evolve uh, from disturbances that come off the coast of Africa. We call those tropical waves. And so uh, long-range computer models... Uh, when you're, when are looking at uh, some key uh, values across that area, are looking very similar to last year. Maybe not quite as robust with with the uh, with the uh, signal that we're seeing, but still the signal is there. So uh, it, we call that the Easter. We call it the Eastern um, African uh, wet, uh, wave train. Uh, basically, tra- a tropical waves storms coming off. Uh, Coming across uh, Africa. And that train of storms um, is forecast to be quite active. Now we do have a signal that will give us an indication whether the models are correct or not by looking at rainfall over Southwest Africa. Okay. And so uh, uh, places like Ghana and uh, Sierra Leone, you know, those areas will give us uh, some idea whether if they have above normal rainfall as we go through the early part of the summer. Uh, That's a real key indication that we are going to have more than enough of these tropical waves to produce, you know, tropical storms and hurricanes this season.
3: We're talking with expert senior meteorologist Dan Kudlowski, our longtime hurricane expert. Um, You look back at the numbers of 2021 and 21 named storms, seven of those were achieving hurricane status in the Atlantic basin for major hurricane with, uh, you know, 111 miles per hour greater or category three or better. So I guess one thing before we talk about how this year compares to last year in those numbers is as everything that we're seeing with the last couple of decades changing in terms of the way the temperatures are across our lower 48, our averages where we've taken up, Um, What is an average hurricane season now? Is it more in terms of numbers than it was, say, 10 or 15 years ago?
1: Oh, definitely. Our normals right now, a normal season is 14 storms, normal of those 14, seven hurricanes, and of those seven hurricanes, three majors. So the majors really haven't changed too much. The really intense hurricanes are pretty much the same. But what has changed is the number of total tropical storms. Uh, One reason for that is probably our technology has improved quite a bit. We are now able to detect, I mean, the satellite imagery that we look at is so much better than we had.
3: It's even, crazy. It's, it's yeah. like, it's like having a a crystal ball into that storm with the amount of clarity that we see. I mean, we talk about that on a daily basis. We can see a little cumulus cloud over us on the ghost stuff now and same story, which makes this so much easier in some ways, but uh, just shows the power and the fury. But you're right, uh, the, the tools are so much better.
1: Yeah, you know, there's, there's computer models now that actually take the wind uh, patterns created by the clouds. We call that cloud drift winds. And we can actually look at that information very uh, very uniquely. Now, we also have other satellites that are what we call polar orbiters uh, that are much closer to the Earth. And they actually give us uh, what we call infrared um, imagery, not infrared, but uh, uh, microwave information, and we've used that microwave information to understand the winds on the oceans. So you can actually uh, uh, estimate what the winds are blowing by looking at the sea foam that's created by strong winds wow. over the water. And it's that sea foam that gives us actually an actual wind direction, and and so we can actually see weak storms developing much better, uh, and. Dean recently, I mean we can we can probably go back several years and, and try to try to uh, reconstruct seasons and so forth. but we have what is now called shorty storms storms that last more not more than uh, maybe two days long. Mm. And like last year we had four or five storms that could be classified as shorties. 20 years ago, we never would have named these these storms, so uh, that's also uh, playing a role into this what uh, in this get in this situation as well. But by far the biggest factor and the reason why we've had such destructive hurricanes is the water temperature. Water temperature has allowed storms to rapidly intensify. Almost- yeah, that was
3: that that was the, the the thing that I've noticed the big and not just uh, you know we've talked about this not just hurricanes or not just uh, tropicals close lows any area of low pressure with the warm Water temperatures that it's hugging near the coast seems like it has the potential to rapidly intensify, and that creates amazing problems. So, I mean, we can look and say, you know, how many times do we see we have a a long track storm, maybe a one or two, and then when it comes down to brass tacks at the end, it's up to a two or a three or even a four, you know, at the very end because it gets over in that undisturbed warm bath water. the gulf or even the atlantic provides and it just blows right up and it's just it's a scary thing to see and it's certainly a scary thing to be under when that's happening
1: exactly and our computer models now the intensity models have improved quite a bit 20 years ago we had a really rough time trying to forecast the intensity of these monster storms now i'm talking about the monster storms i'm talking about the weak ones the weak ones we still have a really difficult time understanding the intensity but when you have a well-developed storm now a long range com- or even computer models going out five days can give you a pretty good sense as to whether this could be one of those fast intensifying uh, hurricanes and that's why we are better able i think to really warn people of these of these situations but still i still tell people that if if the hurricane is a category two hurricane heading your way and it's forecast to stay as a category two I would prepare for a category three, right. <laughs> one yep. intensity higher because um, you just never know uh, when these things do interact with warm water.
3: I think I think that the other thing about hurricanes is, you know, and, and sometimes as meteorologists, it's hard for us to shift perspectives. I mean, we can look at a storm And when you're in the middle of the storm, it's this big honking entity that is dangerous and deadly. And it looks like it's the only thing in town. But then when you step back and you look, these storms are just kind of like tops, you know, spinning tops in a big arena. And some of the littlest things can start knocking those tops off into different problems. And especially when they're not as strong, as you said, I think the big, long track, strong storms, kind of have the mind of their own and the momentum to do the things that we think they're going to do long range. It's when it's a weaker storm and it's in this big plate of soup and, and it doesn't have as much strength, it can get buffeted and changed by something that maybe the models missed in terms of a wind direction or some dryness or some Saharan dust and all those things. So I think that, is that a good way to analogize what you were talking about?
1: I think it is, you know, those, and those factors are wind. Wind is a big factor, the direction which wind is, is coming over top of the storm. And, Uh, the column of air that's coming over top of the storm, we call that wind shear, uh, the the degree of uh, wind change uh, from uh, the lower part of the storm to the upper part of the storm. Uh, Those winds have a huge impact, uh, but another thing that is also very difficult to detect is or understand is the dryness of the air as well. People Mm -hmm. think, oh, there's a storm over the Atlantic, so it's got plenty of moisture. But um, what we're learning now because of of better satellite technology is there are regions of very dry air that were poorly detected uh, several years ago that we now detect now so we see dry air wrapping into part of a storm we know that that may actually affect the intensity of that given storm and 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 sometimes that will change the whole character of the storm you know many times dean we are always uh, horrified by storms that that come up the east coast of the united states fortunately not too many of them come up but we had Henri uh, move up into uh, Rhode Island, eastern uh, tip of uh, Long Island uh, last year and cause very heavy rainfall. And of course, that set up the precursor for Ida. You know, you think about the number of uh, rain events we had over the northeast. Ida's flooding can be tra- can be tracked back to what happened with Henri, uh, just bringing very, very heavy rainfall uh, to an area, even though they were able to deal with the flooding from that bring a a more powerful storm like Ida and a more powerful um, uh, fire hose of water into a storm like that, you're going to have really, really bad flooding. And that's exactly what happened over the
3: northeast. I think that's a big key. You really need to watch because a storm in its own right isn't necessarily the only story. I go back to Puerto Rico and Maria Um, It was the the tropical system and I can't think of the name right now that kind of went by to the south Mm -hmm. and they got hit with uh, tropical storm force winds and it kind of loosened all of that brush and stuff up. And then when Maria came through, I think it kind of increased the amount of devastation because it had already suffered the the island with, you know, a a moderate tropical storm, but it had kind of primed the pump. To uh, the, have the damage, so yeah, it's it's you got to look at the storm, you got to look at the, everything around it, you got to look what's happened before it, and uh, it's very challenging stuff. And I know um, again, we're coming off a of winter, and we all want to breathe a little bit in the office, but it's going to be ramping back up here pretty soon. We're running out of time. I wish we had more, but we'll certainly be checking in with uh, Dan with you. Let's kind of just give a, an overview of the numbers and uh, some just some parameters and some of the quick hits in your idea. From the AccuWeather hurricane forecast for 2022.
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, this year we're forecasting 16 to 20 storms. Of those storms, six to eight were forecasted to become hurricanes. Three to five major hurricanes, and then we're expecting about four to six direct hits on the United States and Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. So that's that four to six include uh, that the whole area. Also, we also predict ACE, which is Accumulated Cyclone Energy. We're forecasting 130 to 150 units. Above normal, normal is about 123. Bottom line is very active season, somewhat similar to last year but storms will not be in the same spot. Storms never hit, you know, the same spots. So you always got to think about, and just because you were hit last year doesn't mean that you won't impact, be impacted by another hurricane.
3: Right. Vice versa. We always kind of joke about that. uh, You know, you can say what's a bad hurricane season. Well, if one storm hits you, it's a bad hurricane season. So then. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Normal hits on the United States. Long-term, long-term average is only three, three and a half hits, you know, So we're forecasting four to six. So we're staying another season where we're going to have above normal. And because the warm water major hurricane hit on the United States is higher than normal again this year. So I hope it's another, not it's not another Laura or another Ida, but unfortunately, uh, the probability is much higher than normal.
3: Well, Dan, thanks so much for you and your team and everybody else. I know you'll be working hard here in the next couple of uh, months, several months, and we'll be working hard with you to keep people up to date. Have another update here when we get a little bit closer. But if you would like to read the AccuWeather.com and AccuWeather Hurricane Forecast, it's out there for you to read on our website. We'll put the link on our notes section. Dan, enjoy the rest of your conference down there in Texas, and we'll see you back in the office soon. Thanks a lot, Dean. You can go on to AccuWeather.com and find that in-depth report and forecast for the hurricane season from AccuWeather. We'll have a link to that in our notes section of the podcast. You can follow Dan on his Twitter feed at HeliCityMan. Man. That's a parameter in meteorology. Helicity, H-E-L-I-C-I-T-Y-M-A-N. HeliCityMan, Man, Don, Dan Kalowski, and his uh, Twitter feed. Thanks to Dan. We'll be checking in with him early and often as we head towards the official start of hurricane season. When we come back, our weather for the weekend ahead and week beyond segment with a little different story at the start of it. Maybe you heard about this and saw this and went viral, a video of a meteorologist calling his kids to warn them about a possible tornado. we we'll that story coming up next. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with
2: confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
3: Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. Bill Dager is waiting in the wings to talk with me about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. But up first, I think you heard about this story, didn't you? Last week, a meteorologist was on the air in Washington, D.C., saw a tornado potentially heading right over his house, was concerned his kids weren't paying attention to the weather or the television, and he wanted them to get the word. We'll let Doug Kammerer pick up the story with me here on Everything Under the Sun. From AccuWeather.com. When one of the biggest parts of your job as a meteorologist is to help other people protect lives and property, when dangerous weather is impacting the area that you're forecasting for, sometimes it's hard to think about yourself and your family. But those of us who have been doing this for a long time have had occasions when we see bad weather headed in the areas where the people that we love are and care about, and, and we have to act. Personally, I've had to keep family members up to date on the weather forecasting and even minute by minute stuff uh, with hurricanes along the Gulf Coast and where my partner, Joel's family lives in Puerto Rico. Uh, we've uh, certainly had to do that too often, but sometimes even in those most intense times, we have to stop down and take care of those who are closest to us. And that happened this past Wednesday. NBC4 Washington, D.C. Chief Meteorologist Doug Cameron was on the air giving live coverage as severe storms were moving through the DMV. And he saw a potential tornado was going to track right over his house. And he knew his kids were probably not paying attention as the adults were. And so he had to do something right away. And that's something that he did, endeared him to parents, viewers and people around the world and joining us right now chief washington nbc washington meteorologist doug cameron doug pick up the story there you were on the air yep a tornado warning was out and you know how now we see all the polygons and you pulled up i saw the video you pull up that drawing or that polygon and that center of that tornado path is right over your house and tell us what happened there
4: yeah it really was uh was surreal. I I mean, I'm watching this uh, go on. I'm talking to my audience, trying to warn everybody about the tornado. And I I zoom in and I know I'm zooming in close to my neighborhood, but then I zoom in almost right over my house. And this is exactly where this tornado was going to be going. And we, you know, we did have a confirmed tornado out of this storm in the Tyson's Corner area, which is only about five miles from my house. So looking at that, I'm thinking to myself, as I'm talking on the air, Mm -hmm. And warning the viewers, I'm having an inner monologue. You know, <laughs> how do I warn my kids? Yep. <laughs> because I'm live, and mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't think in the moment that I could do that. Um, I knew they wouldn't be watching. I knew they'd be at home on their phones um, or or gaming or playing video their games, shows right? And then, right, or, kind of sequestered. What have right? you video games? Absolutely. You know, I, I I thought I've got to call them. I've got to get on the phone with them really quickly. I'll tell them to, to, to heed the warning, go down in the basement uh, and protect themselves. And, and that's how that came about.
3: In that moment, I, I know as professionals, sometimes we are caught between a rock and a hard place there. And so yeah. that inner dialogue must have been must have been difficult, to be honest with you, because since then, you know, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty. But the reaction. Yeah has been amazing, right? And so is there any doubt in your mind now that you needed to have that inner dialogue? Or do you think if the situation was presented again, you would still have that kind of inner dialogue? I don't know.
4: Yeah, I I probably would still have it um, because of the type of storms that we get. You know, Mm -hmm. was was there a tornado? Did I see something? I mean, with this one, not only am I looking at it on radar, I'm looking at velocity data and I'm looking at that couplet. Coming really close to my house, that velocity couplet, and that's how we knew we knew we had a tornado potential in in Tyson's Corner, which which we did confirm later. But that couplet was going right right at my house, and that that was the time frame where I knew I had to make that phone call, and I did. I did think about it. I thought about what my bosses would think. I thought hmm. about you know what other people might think. But um, in that moment, the only thing on my mind there was I, I got to make sure my kids are downstairs.
3: For folks who uh, may not know Doug in in D.C., I know uh, you also spent some time in Philadelphia in that market Mm -hmm. as well. You know, went to northern Colorado, um, spent time in Orlando, Jacksonville, Macon, Georgia. So you're used to this. But you're right. Uh, I think, you know, one thing that we've noticed, Doug, uh, obviously, I've grown up in central Pennsylvania, spent a lot of time here in the east. We're having a lot more of these convective situations farther north, the opportunity for more strong to severe thunderstorms. Um, the technology is better so we can see, as you said, the rotation even better now than uh, several years ago. So I know we have debates here in the office sometimes. Are we overwarning or underwarning? Are people listening? Um, I think this was a great lesson for everybody that uh, everybody should be taking heed to warnings. Uh, and so I yeah. felt it was important enough to to make sure that your kids knew. And so, you know, this is the thing. Um, I mean, we have a responsibility to warn Um, I'm not so sure what we can do to make sure people heed those. But uh, this is a situation I think we're going to repeat more and more going forward as we see more and more of these events coming to the bigger cities farther north than maybe they used to come.
4: Yeah. And that's the you know, that's what we are dealing with right now. I mean, it is there. There's a lot more going on in the atmosphere. Not only that, but you mentioned the technology. I think that's the biggest factor there. Not technology and the fact that we've got Population just continues to explode around these big cities. So, we're seeing more tornadoes with the naked eye. We're seeing more tornadoes uh, on video. We're seeing more tornadoes, uh, dual pole uh, radar, and, and the better radar systems that we've got going on and the apps that we have. I mean, everything we need is at our fingertips to find these now. This was not, I knew when I was looking at this, this was not a particularly strong tornado. Um, I was thinking it would most likely be an EF zero, EF one, and that's exactly what what this was—an mm-hmm. EF zero tornado. But you know, the reason, the big one of the big reasons I made that call to my family—we've got a very large tree in our backyard. That tree gets hit. That tree comes in our in our uh, house. and, you know, you've got a whole sit, different situation in my house, and a situation that I did not want to have. So the basement is obviously the best place for. my kids to go and for anybody to go if they have if they have a basement get inside that interior room but yeah in in that moment i i knew that we had we had the potential to get some damage and we we had some damage with that tornado that hit in tyson's corner
3: you know i think we get wrapped up too on words right whether it's a tornado or not we can see straight line wind damage that rivals Mm -hmm. uh, one of those weaker tornado situations so um yeah uh, and 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 you're right Uh, i think you've taught maybe parents a lesson too, not to assume that your kids are knowing exactly what's going on at yeah. every given moment. Right. And, you know, maybe other parents can take responsibility when they see or hear about something to make sure that their kids are plugged in appropriately at that point. Uh, I'm sure that's a conversation. And, you know, as we're pushing now, as everyone does here, we're in the heart of severe weather season as we go through the next couple of months, have a plan, right? And I'm sure that's something that right. you've had that conversation with your kids as well.
4: Yeah. And I've gotten a lot of feedback, a lot of feedback from parents, a lot of people, a lot of feedback from, you know, even friends and even my co-anchors. I mean, you know, my co-anchor at the time was watching, she was uh, on her dinner break. She was watching me from home. She called her child after I called my son because it just reinforced the fact that this was real um, and that this was coming and that we had to watch out for it. So, you know, she made that call, a call that, you know, she wouldn't normally make, um, and that's something that I, I I've heard a lot of, I, you know, a lot of people said that they called their kids or they called, <laughs> they called their you know, significant others or what have you. So yeah, that, that, that made a, that made a difference. And I, I really, I'm proud of that. And, and I hope that we can maintain that because you're right. So many people don't heed the warnings that we see.
3: Doug Kammerer, News 4, Chief Meteorologist, Washington, DC. Thank you so much for being with us. That's a great story. And I think you've taught us all some great lessons. Thanks, Doug. Thanks so much. And now let's bring in AccuWeather meteorologist Bill Dager as we take a look at the weather for the weekend ahead and the week beyond. And I just want to kind of follow up on that uh, great talk that we just had because Bill has a family and has children. And uh, I think you can certainly uh, kind of sympathize with what Doug was going through there uh, last week when uh, he had to call his kids. Uh, I mean, I know, as I mentioned ahead of that uh, interview, that Bill, I mean, I've had to have that situation where I had to tell uh, friends and family about hurricanes, especially my in-laws in Puerto Rico. And, and it's, it's hard. But, uh, you know, there are times when we're so charged with doing things to help the greater good. Sometimes we have to be a little selfish ourselves. Right. And help protect our family and friends uh, as we go through this new day and age. Yeah, you know, we're we're human beings too. We have families too and
0: uh, oftentimes uh, for those of us who have relatives scattered across the US, uh, they'll be impacted by these severe weather events and I always uh, like to give them a you know a personal heads up uh, and give them some recommendations of what they should be doing and how they should be preparing. But yeah, that that video certainly hit home because you know a couple of days ago was uh, you know this thing across the internet, social media, a safe place selfie. I saw a lot of people right, posting, yeah. you know, where they would go with their families in the event of a tornado or a severe thunderstorm. Uh, and and I did gather up the kids and we we went into our little closet in our our downstairs in our house. And, you know, it it was a cool thing to get everyone together, take the picture, but also thinking in the back of your head, like, I hope
3: I never have to do this. No, but it's a good teaching moment. I agree. And, uh, you know, we talked about that with uh, in our severe weather segment that we did at the beginning of uh, the spring series here, as we knew that, you know, and even farther north, Bill, we're seeing more and more opportunities for severe weather, more opportunities than I remember growing up with here in pennsylvania and where we live and work um so uh, i think that conversation has to be had by more people especially in places where you maybe as you were growing up 10 20 years ago didn't expect it you know all that is part and parcel of wild swings in the weather as we take a look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond this is the personification of that we've got uh, this huge upper level vertically stacked low from the upper levels of the atmosphere all the way down to the surface It's going to spin through. It's brought what we hope. And I think, you know, looking at long range stuff and been talking with Bernie and uh, certainly Paul Passelock, Joe Lundberg, everybody else that works in that long range team. I think this looks like it's the last really significant shot of what I would call wintry air as we start to make, at least for the Great Lakes in the Northeast, that situation flips. We have a major flip coming where all that cold air is going to the West We start a big warm up in the east. Unfortunately, that's going to have bad consequences here, especially in the middle of the week. Another one of these weeks where we have a huge storm that has multiple implications north to south.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to knock on wood for the uh, this being the last, um, you know, major uh, cool snap uh, for the Great Lakes and northeast. Not to say it won't get chilly again, but uh, I think you're right. You know, scanning out on the computer models the next Week week and a half doesn't really have any system like this, you know. We will have cold fronts come through, and we will have drops in temperatures for sure because it's April. But uh, you know, I'm looking for that light at the end of the tunnel. But because boy, we're respoiled we there in the middle of March when we had temperatures in the 70s and sunshine in the Northeast. We get a little bit of a taste of that again uh, next week, and you're right. With that comes the threat of uh, severe weather. We will be seeing that again. Into the uh, new week uh, from the uh, central and southern U.S., perhaps even into the you know Great Lakes, Ohio Valley, Mid Atlantic, if all things uh, develop right. So yeah, it's it's that it's that time of year where you have these clashes of the air masses, and you're getting these wild temperature swings. You know, you're dealing with the snowflakes and grapple and soft hail one day, and then you're out basking in the seventy degree sun a couple yeah, of
3: days later. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and and even in this pattern this weekend, uh, you can have. In some places, day, you know days that are actually two different days, right? The morning may look nice, and beautiful and sunny, and then all of a sudden you get into this crud in the afternoon. Uh, it does look like that spins out as we get in uh, to the weekend, so things will be better there. But, man, the West is going to get nailed here. Um, they've been kind of quiet. They've been actually warm. You know, all the record temperatures that we were setting down in the L.A. basin and stuff, but that's about to change for those folks You know, sometimes that's a really good thing, and other times it's really bad things for those out west because they don't handle the storminess sometimes as well as other places do in the country, Bill. Yeah,
0: they'll go from uh, 90s to end this work week uh, back into the 70s and even 60s in L.A. by the time we get to the early part of the week. And, you know, we're just hoping for for any rain to come into (laughs) the southwest there because, you know, we keep getting these hot spells with temperatures in the 90s with no rain really continues to dry out that vegetation and you get these offshore wind events, which can cause some wildfires there. So you're right. The Pacific Northwest are really getting socked with uh, rain and mountain snow, but uh, not much to be had there in the Southwest.
3: Wanted to also bring Bill on this week because he is our biggest baseball fan. (laughs) I think in the mornings now, Um, Bill and I grew up on the Eastern side of this Keystone state. So we, tend to be Phillies fans but we've got a lot of uh, mixed uh, baseball fans in the uh, in the office and it has been great to see although it's been a challenge I'm mean, He uh, the Yankees did the smart thing and postponed till Friday afternoon as this podcast drops I'm uh, not wanting to be out in Wrigley on this Friday <laughs> afternoon or even Comerica for that matter with some hefty showers for that uh, Tigers and White Sox uh, opening game of the season with them maybe have some hail and some gusts and it's all part and parcel of this but you're excited aren't you it's hope spring I eternal am. right absolutely i know nothing better than
0: opening day you know you're coming out of a long cold winter and obviously april baseball is always a little tricky with the weather Oof. but yeah. it just gives you hope of what's ahead for the next few weeks and months as far as uh, warm, summery weather. And, uh, you know, I always am a fan of the end of baseball season as well, because you get into the fall months and by then you, you just want
3: it to cool down. You want the humidity to go away. (laughs) And and we've always said that now in this kind of new pattern that we have some of our nicest weather, the summer is now in September and early October. (laughs) That's right, Bill. Thanks for being with us. Take care of you and your family. And we'll talk to you soon here on everything. We'll talk soon, Dean. Thank you. And, friends, that'll do it for this week's episode of Everything Under the Sun. Special thanks to our guests, Stan Kudlowski, Doug Kammer, and our own Bill Dagger. And we certainly have appreciation for our hundreds of team members working hard every day to weatherproof your life. Remember, we've got a lot of great things going on. Our AccuWeather app on our website, we have those new weather indices that kind of help shape your view of the weather based on different weather factors. Up to 27 different weather factors that you can kind of keep track of as you plan your day. We've got an interesting interview about that in case you didn't catch it in last week's episode. Also some great spring gardening tips as we see these cold shots come in and out. But again, hope springs eternal as your garden will get warmer, especially east of the Mississippi as we go into the upcoming week. We'll have another episode next week covering the topics where the weather meets your life. For our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, and all of us here on Everything Under the Sun, again, if you have a moment, take a survey of our podcast to get your opinions out there on accuweather.com, and certainly you can email us anytime about our podcast at podcast For all of us, I'm Dean DeVore. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, Episode 6, as we lead into the Easter weekend here on Everything Under the Sun from accuweather.com.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at Planning for your next trip?